welcome to the Tell Me If You Can podcast, a podcast where I have the honor of listening to and unpacking stories of amazing women. My name is Ogechi, your host, and today's guest is Alizé Smith. Alizé is a veteran-turned-YouTuber who helps women learn from their past to better prepare themselves for fulfilling relationships. In today's episode, Alizé talks about how her relationship with her own father affected her future relationships with men and relationship with God. She also talks about how she sought to unpack those negative experiences and heal from them in order to put herself in a position to find relationships that better served her and her purpose. Let's take a listen to Alizé's story. Hi, Alizé. Welcome to the podcast. For those of us that don't know who you are, can you give us a quick bio, who you are, what you do, and where you're from? Yes, of course. Well, thank you for having me on the podcast as well. I'm so excited. Um, But yeah, so I'm born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. I'm currently residing and living in Shreveport, Louisiana. I am a veteran. I'm currently married right now. And part of what I do, I love to help women get on this journey and how to love themselves and show them that their past, their mistakes um, doesn't define them in who they are. In the midst of that, I do help women prepare and how to have a godly relationship without, you know, feeling like your identity is in men, but your identity is in God all along. So that is a a little bit in what I do and um, who I am. Awesome. Thank you so much. Can you give us a little bit of background? What was it like growing up, especially coming from that Northeast? What was it like growing up in New York? Oh my God. I mean, growing up in New York can be very, I'll say crazy. Um, But with me, I grew up in a home where they never really told me about God or any anything like that. You know, I really didn't know who he was. I never really had a relationship with him. So growing up, I always was like very insecure. You know, on the side, I I was the type of girl that loves to write. Um, I love to dance and love to model. There were times where my mother took me to casting calls. I did a lot of fashion shows and photo shoots and all these different types of things. I was very a very creative young girl. But in the midst of all that, I was broken. You know, um, even though there were so much things that I was so passionate about and so gifted. Deep, deep down inside, I was lost, you know, that there were times even growing up that I felt like, what was even my purpose of living? Like, why am I here? What is, what is the purpose of my existence? You know, so throughout my high school and middle school career, I was just always in relationship after relationship after relationship. And these relationships drifted me away from my calling, drifted me away for my gifts and what I was passionate about. So yeah, so I mean, growing up, it was just so much things going on and it was just so hard to just focus on me because it was just so much of that distraction, you know? What were some of the distractions and the things that were going on? Um, I would say guys <laughs> and relationships um, because being in since I was growing up since I was like just so lost and broken I I do want to point out there because I was lost and broken it was because of the rejection from my father and because of me being rejected from my father I always grew up wondering what do I need to be loved you know what do I need to to feel attention you know do I have to go out there to seek that attention you know, and all these years, I was just lost. And I felt like that a guy should give me my identity. So those guys and the relationships over and over through middle school, through high school, they became that distraction. And even my last year of high school, when I started to develop my relationship with God, it drifted me away from God Mm -hmm. because I was looking for a father figure in a guy. You know, Mm. so 
like I said, I was just so broken. I didn't know what I was. I mean, I had lacked of confidence. There were times that I couldn't even be in front of the camera because I didn't like my smile. I didn't like the way I look, you know, and I do believe a man, a father is given a big responsibility from God to affirm their child, to love them, to give them that security, um, to make them feel stable. And when they feel, and then when the child feels rejected and when they don't get that from their father, they tend to to seek it out in other things. So for me, I seek it out in relationships. Those relationships became my identity. So there were a lot of times when I was in relationships and a guy used to threaten to leave me, I would tell them, my response to, to them is, what can I do? What can I do for you to stay with me? Like I couldn't literally see myself single. I couldn't see myself by myself because it was out of the fear of my father leaving me. And it was so hard, even in the year of 2015, when I developed my relationship with God, even though I was excited and I did not know much about him, I still couldn't really fully give my all to him because I was I was pretty much comparing my biological father, what my father did to me, to my heavenly father, God. And I couldn't see God. I was yes. always saying, oh, God is God, but I couldn't see him as a father. So, okay, let's break down. You said a lot of things. I want to kind of go <laughs> I back. Um, <laughs> no, that's fine. I kind of want to go back and... Um, Let's talk about like your childhood. So you mentioned the rejection of your father and were you an yeah. only child? Was it you and your mom always? And mm -hmm. how did that, yeah. how did, if you feel comfortable sharing, what exactly yeah. did that rejection look like? And how, if at all, did your mom try to kind of help you get through that if she could? And of course, parents cannot fill the role single parents do an amazing job yeah. so it's not that she didn't do a good job but unfortunately that feeling of rejection still has an impact on you and it played out like you said in your relationships with men and your relationship with god but what did that rejection look like um when you mm -hmm. were a young girl and how did that affect your relationship in a, as a family unit yeah, so growing up, um, I was the only child. My mother just had me with my father. He's living in, in Brooklyn, New York. Um, for 13 years, I was the only child. And then now I do have um, a 13-year-old brother and a 9-year-old sister with my with my mother for my, um, my stepfather. But throughout the years growing up, being that only child, uh, rejection, I mean, my mom and my father was, was not together. You know, and it all started, I believe, when they separated, they went their own ways. But my father was always controlling, you know, and there were even points where um, he used to be her. You know, he was emotionally and physical abusive to my mom. Um, and there were times that he used to do that in front of me. And my mom, all these years, she grew up with so so much hatred to my father. So anytime I used to go with him, she used to she used to have that fear because she never felt that I was safe in his presence, mm -hmm. you know. So with me growing up with my father and the times, it was it wasn't no custody battle, but my mom did put him on child support. But um, it seemed like this is what I feel like what happened. It seemed like every time my mom and my dad got into a disagreement, got into an argument, he put that on me. And the way he put that on me is he would stop calling. He would be inconsistent in my life. He would not call me on my birthdays because my father was always wow. the type where he put his job, he put money over me. You know, so the times that I did see my father went and and went to his house because I wanted, you know, to spend time with him. It seemed like I was, I always desired deep down to have that father and daughter relationship, but I never got that, you know? And when I did spend that time with my father, it's like I was just in the house, 
he was always at work. Mm -hmm. He comes home at 11 o'clock at night and then drops me off the, ne the next morning. And I would just sit in the house, you know? So that was just one, one example how that rejection started. Another example was like, there were times where, you know, I'm excited and, you know, my father was supposed to pick me up and he just didn't show up. And he literally called me and be like, baby, I'm on my way. Baby, I'm on my way. And I'm literally by the window. I remember I'm literally by the window looking to see if he come crying. And my, mother, and my mother's telling me, Alizé, like, you know, baby, he, he maybe he's not going to come. He's not going to come. I'm like, no, my dad told me he's coming. He's coming. And my mom literally just saw me all the time falling asleep on the couch waiting for him. You know, and I think what really affected me is when there were times I remember it was my 13th birthday and, you know, me and my mom went to, I believe, I don't know if it was Olive Garden. I do not know, but um, we was, she was singing happy birthday with me and she was like, baby, what's wrong? And I'm like, and she just knew by my face, my emotions and my feelings, what was bothering me. And she was like, baby, what's wrong? And I'm like, my father didn't call me on my birthday. So I was just waiting, waiting, waiting. And then, you know, 12 o'clock of the next day, he still didn't call me, you know? So it was just like that all those years where it was just so much broken promises. He put his job before me. And I felt like even till this day, my father doesn't really know me. You know, I, I always mm -hmm. desired for him to ask me, baby, how you feel? What's your goals? What are your careers? You know, what's your interests? What's your passions? And I never got any of that. I never got any of that. And it really impacted me so much because, you know, like I said, growing up, it affected how I review myself. You know, if God, if, if my dad doesn't love me, why should I love myself? You know, if he doesn't tell me I'm beautiful, then maybe I'm ugly. Maybe I'm not worth for somebody to stay with, you know? So those were a few things um, how the rejection of my father impact me from the different encounters and the different experience I have with him. Wow. Well, let's just talk about your mom because she had the burden of the relationship that she had with her father mm -hmm. that uh, was emotionally and physically abusive. And to separate from that is a hard decision, but she probably was making the best decision for her to not have you witness yeah. that and for her not to experience that but mm -hmm. there I want to emphasize that just because you have parents that are separated doesn't mean that you might experience rejection it just means that those parents have to do more work and what it sounds mm -hmm. like was whether your parents were together or not you were going to experience that rejection because of the nature of who yeah. your dad was for you yeah and um he was emotionally abusive to your mom and who knows if you were together, if they were together, if that would have escalated with you and yeah. your mom was right mm -hmm, to have mm -hmm. that fear because she probably fell in love with your dad. It's not like he's just some bum mm -hmm. off the street. She had, she, yeah, yeah, she yeah. was vulnerable <laughs> enough to open up her heart to this man who then kind of hurt her. Yeah. And so she had that fear that he might hurt, hurt you mm -hmm. in the same way. And I like the scene that you paint to us that being present is not the same as your presence is not the same as being present. So yeah, yeah. being physically mm -hmm, there mm -hmm. as a mom, a dad, and I've had guests who felt the same rejection from mom. So it's not just exclusive to men, but yeah. being in the physical presence of someone does not mean that you're present and children really exactly. do notice I have people that are like, my kid will take my, like slap my phone out of my hand because they don't like that I'm on social media all day, every day scrolling mm -hmm. while they're trying to show me whatever. And so children notice that. Mm -hmm. And these are the formative years of your life, especially as a young woman in the teenage years. And if you are like, you know, if you're like me, I had way too many crushes. It's probably <laughs> so unhealthy. And I had similar things that, um, outwardly I expressed confidence and I mean you were a dancer like so such a creative if I was you or someone that was in school with you they probably thought that you were like a ball of positivity because you're putting yourself oh. out there doing all this like acting dancing and the things your mom was putting mm -hmm. you in but internally you were struggling and you were dealing with so much yeah. so it just goes to show that even and sometimes I think of the kids that I used to be so envious of 
I don't know what they were going through. And yeah, this girl had all the boyfriends that I wish I had, but I don't know what she was going through. And you, you exemplify that your attachment to your relationships was an effort to exercise control to, to create something that you couldn't create with your dad. And it's sad that even to today, that relationship is not, that foundation was never set. So whatever house is built on that foundation is not as solid as I bet it is with your mom. Mm-hmm. So um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sorry about that. But I want to ask about another male figure that you talked about was your stepfather. What is your relationship with him? And was that hard to develop given your relationship with your dad? Um, yes, I would say it, it was hard to develop that relationship. Um, my mom, mind you, my mom is very affectionate. She is such an emotional, affectionate person. And I am a very affectionate and um, an emotional person. So when I just picture that father and daughter relationship, you know, that you see in the movies and things like that, you know, it, it was out of that desire of wanting to have that closeness, my father, my best friend. Now, my stepdad is a great, a great guy. You know, he's great to my brother and sister. But the thing about it, and that's why I still had it to heal and be whole and be okay and 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 see God as a father because my my stepdad, he didn't, his mother and father passed away. But his mother or his father was never affirming him. Um, they wasn't very emotional, you know. Um, they didn't really have that relationship with him. So he's the type, my stepfather is, the way he shows his love is by providing, you know. Mm. But I will say over time, you know, he'll do things that he know that I desire, like giving me cards for my birthday. You know, I'm the type where I'm not really crazy about materialistic things, but if you give me like a birthday card and literally write how you feel, that is more meaningful to me than, than anything, you know? But I will say he does show more attention to me and and he has grown because he sees what my mom plays for him you know because sometimes there'll be a little friction between him and my mom because my mother like you know I need the attention you know I need the love and he's like well I'm doing everything you know I provide and things like that but that's not how it's supposed to be you know you have to you have to learn each other's love language you know what I mean so my my stepdad is a yeah, and my stepdad is a great guy, um, and I I will say that he did have he did grown in catering to me in the areas that I need. If it's just a text call, say Alize, how you doing? You know, um, he doesn't like to call me his stepdaughter. You know, he'll say that's my daughter when he introduces me to every to anyone. Um, even just calling me on my birthday. So you know, there there is um. You know, if I share the story with anybody, they would probably say, oh, my stepdad and my biological father is the same. You know, even though my stepdad is not as affectionate as I desire him to be, but he do put, I I can't say he puts in the effort to show me that I am loved by him, by the little things that my father doesn't do. Call me on my birthday, check up on me and see how I'm feeling, have conversations with me. So, um... It, I'm grateful. I'm blessed that God has given me my stepfather where, you know, I feel like I, I can, if I pick up the phone and, and have a conversation with him, I, I, you know, I could have that certain conversations with him, but I will say I'm not at that point where I can have like those intimate talks with him, you know, because he's not as open. Yeah. My, my stepdad is like closed in and guarded. So, yeah. But that's also a newer relationship than you have with your dad. Yeah. So I'm definitely think that it will get there and like you said people with different very almost opposite ways of expressing love can sometimes have a little bit of a struggle but it doesn't mean it's impossible and he can grow and it sounds like he's willing to learn and grow which is Mm -hmm. I mean if anyone's listening that's what people desire 
I'm not expecting you to morph into a whole new person just because you yeah. are in a relationship, whether it's a family relationship or a romantic relationship. But just the effort is important. And I think that is what mm. people, sometimes they don't try because they don't think that they can get there or they think that that person oh. desires that end goal. Mm. But we appreciate the yeah. journey that you take with, just like I have to change who I am or understand like, okay, if you don't talk about your feelings, it doesn't mean you're angry with me. It just means that you're not yeah. as vocal about your feelings and you show it in different ways. So it's yeah. that process in relationship building that's important. Um, so before we talk a little bit about your relationship experiences, let's talk about your, your experience as a veteran. When you graduated high school, did you always want to go into the military? Or was that something that came <laughs> that came about uh, unexpectedly oh no 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 <laughs> no I did not um okay um well when it came to my senior year of high school I grad I graduated from um Strasburg High School in Pennsylvania um but during that year I did not know what I wanted to do and it comes to the point where you know you you know that you're so creative and you know that there's so much things inside of you but you don't know how to bring it out you know what I mean there's no guidance there and you just feel uh I felt stuck and and I remember the point in my life it was in my senior year and I was um, sitting by the window and I just did not know what to do. I was applying to colleges in New York for Fashion in Institute. And I, you know, I just, I just didn't know. And, and you know, if someone asks me, asks, asks me, I was like, why you didn't know? And one thing I can say is because I didn't know my purpose. I didn't know my purpose. And when you don't know your purpose, you don't, you know, you don't have that direction in your life. You know what I mean? You're able to have yes. those standards. You're able to have those negotiables and non-negotiables. You know who you want. You know, okay, I'm going to apply for this college. I'm going to apply for this job. I'm going to take this course. I'm going to take this class because it's going to lean me and it's going to um, push me towards my calling, push me towards my, my assignment, my purpose. You know, but I didn't know my purpose. I didn't know the reason I was born. You know, I didn't know my identity. Identity. So at that time, the only offer my mind you, my family couldn't cater. They they really couldn't cater to my emotions at that time and understand why I was feeling the way I was feeling. You know, because sometimes you have to look back. A lot of people don't know their purpose. A lot of people don't know their identity. You know, and sometimes that can be that generational cycle. So when your parents mm. are not working walk, walking in purpose, they're not gonna be able to give you the language to understand the reason you was born. You know, yeah. so for me, the only answer for my family was the military. You know, and they portrayed it to be great. You know, if you go to the military, they pay for college and things like that. So I went in the military because I did not know what I was going to do after high school. You know, so I did go through my basic training. Um, I did go through uh, my technical training. My job was material management. However, I was not in the military for a long time. Uh, when I do mention that, it was around that year point, and people's like, oh my God, how are you was just in the military for within that year? I can go on and on, and it, it is so much to it, but this is what I would say. When I, before I joined the military and after high school, it between that gap, it was around, it was in the year of 2015. That's when I gave my life mm -hmm. to Christ. Because after high school, I had to take the ASVAB test. And basically, it's a test yes. that you need to pass in order to get into the military. However, mm -hmm. I was studying, studying three times. I failed this test over oh, and wow. over and over. I'm like, oh, my God. And I think at that moment, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I'm stupid. I'm dumb. Like, what am I going to do with my life? So... Throughout that time, after I took the test three times, this was all in 2015, throughout those few months, right, I went into that depression. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what I was going to do. Oh, my God, this military thing may not be for me and things like that. 
And my mom knew that I was leaning to that depression or in probably having not even those suicidal thoughts. Why am I here? Ain't no, you know, like those, those thoughts, those seeds were, were sowing into my mind. So my mom, one day she got, um, she got invited to this youth service at this church by my house. And she was like, Alice, I think that this would be great for you. And so in my mind, I'm like, you know, I always hear about God, but let me just give this a try. At this point, I try to do life so much on my own and it just never worked out. Mm. Everybody talk about this God. Let me just give him a try. So for me, it was just out of a sense of hope. So during that week, I went to the church and immediately as I walked inside the church, I just felt so much peace so much hope. I, I remember sitting in the back of the church and I could just cry and cry and cry and cry, you know, because the pastor was just ministering to my heart. And I remember that same moment I went into the room with a lady and she was like, Alize, God wants you to know that even though that your father, that you feel like your father may not love you, God loves you. And at that moment, I'm like, first of all, I never met this lady. She don't know nothing about my father. So at that moment, it was a confirmation for me, like God knows me, you know? And that was the time mm -hmm. where I just gave my life to Christ. And immediately, you know, I came in there hopeless and I came out of there hope with hope. I came out of, I came in there with no joy and I came out with more joy, you know? And I just had this feeling of joy and excitement. And that was the beginning of journeying and walking with God. So after I, throughout that point, when I was journeying and walking with God, I told God, I was like, Lord, I gave you my life. I'm going to take this ASVAB test. I'm going to take this test one more time. I gave you everything, Lord. Just, just help me pass it, right? Just allow this to be my yes. testimony. I was like, hallelujah. <laughs> so, so months passed by throughout that year. This this is all, you know, playing in 2015, and I went to take the ASVAT test, and I was just so nervous. I'm like, because I'm the type, when I take a test, like, sometimes I forget everything. Like, I just forget everything. So, you know, I'm taking the test, and every time um, I'm, like, throughout throughout me taking the test, I'm, like, having little bathroom breaks. So every time when I go into the bathroom, I'm, like, literally sobbing on the floor. Lord, please, please, please let me pass this test. Let me pass oh, this test. Like, I gave you everything. I gave you everything. Lord, just show me, oh, God, that you would do this for me. And um, when I went back and I went to get my results um, from the guy, my face was just so pale. I was just so shaking. Like, oh, my God. And then my mother was like, baby, you passed. And I'm like, oh, my God. I passed. I passed and you know that was that you know that show that if you you know not saying that you know God is gonna always give you what you want but at that moment I I really knew that you know he was answering my prayers and God was just showing me like you know I'm your father I'm here you know I'm gonna get you through this so I joined the military. I was stationed in Lackland Air Force Base. I went through my basic training. And then from basic training, I went through technical training. So my job was material management. I graduated in August 19 of 20, August, yeah, August 19 of 2016. And when I graduated, my first duty station was Osan, Korea. Okay. And usually when you get your orders, when you get your orders for your first duty station, you're supposed to get your orders after technical training and leave. But that was not the case for me. I was still in the Lackland Air Force Base from August all the way to November with all these different trainings. So in my mind, imagine my mind, I'm like, Lord, why am I still here? Where's my orders? Yeah. So it was like a whole delay to me. But mind you, throughout this time, mind you, before I got in the military, I was developing my relationship with God. And you knew that in my past, mm -hmm. part of my weakness was men in relationships. So what happened? You know, when I went into the when I went into the military, I got in a relationship with this guy and he drifted me away from God. So I remember when I was in the dorms, oh, wow. there were times where I was just crying and I'm like, Lord, like I don't even know what to I don't know what to pray for anymore. Like I don't even know what to start. I was getting depressed. I was just crying in my dorms. I was just so, so, so lonely in the dorms, you know? And 
it was just it was just so much going on but when mind you the guy that i was with his first duty station was osan korea osan korea oh goodness osan korea that's crazy but look at this so throughout that time while i was there between august to november i'm like yo why am i here ain't no orders and things like that i started to get lors and lors is letters of reprimand meaning if you do something wrong do something bad you get written up for it okay but it was this particular wow. sergeant it was this particular sergeant that was pointing me out all the time you know so she was literally writing me up for things that did not make sense at all usually if you do something wrong you get a warning then you get an LLC a LLC is a letter for counseling then you get an LOR she was just giving me an LOR she wasn't giving me no no warning and things like that but mind you when you look at these LORs it's just things that did not make sense so i felt like i was being pointed out i felt like i was being outcasted i felt like i was being lied on because throughout that time there i was a white rope and pretty much what a right white rope is is somebody that was working in the church facility there you know i was doing a lot of um you know helping helping the different veterans helping the different airmen in in the facility in the military and things like that so i was doing a lot of volunteer work you know so mm -hmm. in october in that year of october um one of the sergeants came to me and he was like alize you're getting recommended for discharge and i'm like what getting recommended for discharge and i'm like this mate i'm getting recommended for discharge and in my mind i'm like people who gets recommended for discharge is people that would either smoke weed a sexual assault something people that does something crazy but me little old me yeah. that's doing nothing but feel like she's just being getting picked on by this one particular sergeant you know so I'm like little old me so they had it to bring me to a different facility and in this different facility it was a it was a place where these people were getting processed for discharge but these people did crazy things you know either sexual assault and things like that you know yeah. but throughout my time there the they gave me the opportunity to write a rebuttal so i was able to fight my case so i'm like you know what i'm going to fight my case because whatever's on paper is not who i am you know what i mean and i want to walk in my truth yes. so throughout throughout that throughout that time I got connected with all the different airmen. I got connected with some commanders, um, tech sergeants, staff sergeants, and they all wrote wrote me character references. They all wrote me character recommendations saying, this is not who Alize, but this is who she is. I feel like that she should stay in the military. She should, she's deserving to be in the military and things like that. And everything that's on paper needs to be investigated. This is not fair. So, Okay, the superintendent is close with the commander of the base, right? So they, when I was in the facility, one of the sergeants was like, Alize, the superintendent wants to meet with you. I'm like, okay. So I eventually met with him. I was shaking and things like that because pretty much it was like he determines if you stay or leave, right? So he was yeah. from Brooklyn. I was from Brooklyn. He was a cool guy. And we were just talking and conversating. He was like, you know, I, I wanted to bring you here because you had, I had 10 or 11 character recommendations and references. He was like, you had so many character recommendations and references, you know, and, you know, whatever's on paper, like, I'm, I'm, I'm really sensing that is not who you are. Let me, I want to get to know you. So I was opening up, letting him get to know me and the truth and what I feel like is not fair. He was like, you know what, what I'm going to do, you deserve to stay in. I'm going to recommend you to stay in the military. I'm like, so as soon as I left, that little conference with him i was like hallelujah lord they try me thank you lord and things like that <laughs> and i went i went back to the dorms right i went back to the dorms and i just started packing my bags because usually before you go to your duty station you go home for two weeks i'm like okay i'm packing my bags i'm gonna go home then i'm gonna go Osan korea and my boyfriend that i was with at the time is over there the one you know that drew me away from god he's already in Osan korea because that was his base as well so i was like oh my god i'm packing my yes. bags so i remember that that same week on thursday 
they called me downstairs and they said, Alizé, pack your bags, you're going home. I'm like, okay. In my mind, I'm like, I already packed my bags. What you mean? I am going home. Yes. And he's like, <laughs> and he's like, Alizé, no, you're getting discharged. And I'm like, what? And he's what? like, you're getting, he said, Alizé, you're getting discharged. And at that moment, everything went blank. My face turned pale i feel like i couldn't even hear i was just pacing back and forth pacing back and forth and literally at that moment i felt so rejected from god like those same triggers those same emotions and what my father did to me and not standing by his word and broken promises not being there i i saw god just as just as what my father did to me and i remember me coming home and that's when i entered into just a season of depression i started just going back to my old ways going back to the the things that stuck me in the past and that was honestly the most depressing part it was just times where i was just pacing back and forth in the hallways and just crying crying waking my mother waking my mother up in the middle of the night and telling her I don't know how to how to feel I don't know what to do mommy why would he do this to me it just it just didn't make sense at all you know and you know later on as we go on and if I share a little more I just know that a lot of the times what God does in point a we can't we can't see it because we're looking at point b you know point c is what he's doing on the other side you know and then it will eventually make sense you know so it was just that whole year I just, you know, was just so depressed and it was just really the icing on the cake with my relationship with God. It was really hard at that oh, time. Wow. I mean, you worked so hard yeah. to get there. And so this is something that you had attached um, so yeah. much of your energy and hopes and dreams and you prayed and prayed for it and you finally get there. And then the experience is not a positive one. And sometimes I feel like, you're hold when you hold so tightly to things, whether it's relationships, whether it's a job or a sense of identity in a job, you hold so tight you don't leave room for God to to work. So you have to you almost have to let go. And if you can't do it yourself, it's almost taken away from you. One of my favorite prayers, which is also a really scary prayer, um, when I would be dating people because my friends uh, I'm Catholic, so we have patron saints, mm -hmm. and so my friends would joke that I was the patron saint of like hopeless like romantics or like got dating trying to reform guys. Like I'm a fixer. My act, my love language is acts of service. Like if I can fix you or whatever, I'm gonna try to fix you, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> which is great if for if I was like a mechanic or even like a therapist or something. But I w shouldn't have been in that role as a girlfriend or someone that I was dating with someone I was dating so um I would always pray to God if this isn't for me please take it away because you know that I'm yes. not gonna do it myself like I'm stubborn yes. I'll hold on to something yeah, yeah. even if I'm bleeding and um so some some people I would be like in great relationships with and then all of a sudden the guy's like so sorry we're done and I'm like <laughs> sorry we're done. I should have been done. Too. Like I held on. I was trying to help you. I cannot. What do you mean we're done? And then I would be like, you know what? I asked for this, and this is the answer, yeah. and this is my yeah. answer, and it hurts, and I still mourn the yes. end of those relationships. Yes. But I was yes. like, I, eventually, I was like, thank you, God, and um, you know, I I dodged the bullet. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And so like. I even said that prayer when I was dating my husband and I was just like, if yeah. this is it for me, deuces. Like, I'm ready to be yes. heartbroken. And he was still yes. there. I was like, excuse me, I said, if this is it for me. And he was still there. I was like, okay, well, I guess this oh one is God. sticking around. But um, there's definitely those choices that you have to make. And I think, in a sense, this military career was almost another like relation yes you were in a relationship while you're in the military but it's almost the same thing anything we have that oh can God. substitute god in our lives should not be held on so tightly and i feel like yes yes when you when you talk about yourself if you say like i'm a wife i'm a daughter we share great roles mm -hmm. i'm a veteran or i'm a student or a creative or whatever 
great things, but your identity first and foremost is a daughter of God, like you said. Yeah. And I think anything that takes that role above, like what you're saying with your father, his first identity after being like a child of God should have been father, but it was mm-hmm. like business person, whatever, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever. And then you were at the bottom, yeah. money. And you yeah, were at the way bottom. at the bottom. And so <laughs> with relationships, they're important and they they deserve our time, but they should never, no matter what relationship it is, should never, you know, overcome yes. our relationship with God. And in a way, perhaps this was almost like an answer of like, if this is for me, take it away. And it's so yeah, unexplainable yeah. why it happened, but that is probably why it happened. It was not for mm-hmm. you. It wasn't serving yes. your purpose. It was, it was a means to possibly for someone and it works for a lot of people Mm -hmm. but it wasn't the way that Mm -hmm. you were meant to serve your purpose trying to fight for things that are not meant for you is also a disservice to that answer the answer is no and that doesn't mean that it's a rejection even though that's what you felt it was uh an act of preservation god was preserving Mm -hmm. you from something that wasn't serving you and you weren't happy even if you're you're fighting you were not happy getting all these lors But uh, you're fighting to stay in this. And I think sometimes we do that because I also grew up in a, I had a decent childhood, but there was definitely turmoil. And so sometimes my normal is chaos. And it like for some people, their normal is this, um, is what you were feeling while you were in the military. Yeah. So you didn't even yeah. see the possibility that this wasn't normal. You just wanted to stay there because you had fought so hard to be yes. there even though yeah. you are not happy yeah. so what did you do after after you came home at, at your season of sadness and depression mm-hmm. how did you bounce back and how did you start to form healthier relationships with people and god Whew. oh my god i mean i love this question but um real quick to just to go back and what you were saying i i will say that a lot of the times God's rejection is pretty much God's protection, Mm -hmm. you know? And I do see this whole thing with the military that God was preparing me for this moment right here, you know, and for the things that I am facing or going through in life. But not only that, if I wouldn't, two main things, I am so (laughs) grateful that I got discharged from the military and I went through that season of depression and I went through all these different things because I wouldn't not only be who I am today but I wouldn't drawn so close to God where I am now I would have never had that level of intimacy or that level of connection or healing or deliverance if I never went through that so a lot of times God allows you to go through certain things to bring you closer to him you know to bring you closer to him because mm-hmm. sometimes we can put all these things before God and that can turn into idolatry. We can start idolizing those mm-hmm. things, you know, and, and giving God our half and not really our all. But not only that, even though I know that it was God preparing me for where I am now and I'm just grateful because I would have never be the woman I am today and, and have this closeness, intimate relationship with him. But I would have never met my husband. I would have never met my husband <laughs> at all. He's in the military as well. And um, mm. I know you said, you know, to, to just share and how I was able to bounce back. So I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a tell you, girl. Um, <laughs> throughout that time, you know, when I, <laughs> when I got out of the military, you know, I was depressed and things like that. And to fast forward a little bit as months passed by, um, I remember it was February of 2017. And this is this is just to give you a little, to show you a little bit and how I bounced back. On, on February of 2017, I was home. Remind you, I was still depressed and things like that. I cut off my relationship with God. I was like, I'm not having my time with him. I'm not doing any of that. I'm going to be stuck in my old ways, you know. And the guy that I was with was in Ulsan, Korea. And I remember I saved so much money for the military. Where's it at? I need that money. <laughs> I saved so much money from the military. <laughs> and what did I do? I was planning to go to Osan, Korea. 
even though my boyfriend was wow. there at the time, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to Osan, Korea because that's my base. I'm supposed to be there. I deserve to be there. And it was to the point where anytime I was on Snapchat, on Instagram, Facebook, social media, and anytime I saw somebody in a military outfit, I get so angry. I throw my phone. I started to block. I started wow. to dismiss all my friends I met in the military because I was so traumatized by it. I was so hurt. I couldn't even see. Anytime I saw somebody in the military outfit, I would run the opposite direction because all that shame, all that loss of expectations, all that disappointment, that depression, anxiety, all that was, was all over me, right? So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to Onsen, Korea. And... I on the, I was still living with my mom and on the low I sneaked and got my passport, right? And my mom was like, Alice, don't go to Osan Korea. Like, wait down the line where you can just go on vacation and things things of that nature, but don't go right now. Like you're not really stable to, to go. But I was mm. committed to go, not just for him, but it was just out of place of hurt and out of a place of trauma. Yeah. So what did I do? I ran away from my house. And my mother, oh my God, at that point, my mother, me and my mother's relationship was unbalanced. Not now, how, not how it used to be, you know, uh, because she felt betrayed. So I remember mm -hmm. when I ran away, my friend at that time picked me up and I stood in her house, right? And she was supposed to drop me off to the airport. So tell me why I look out the house and I see my mother there. She's outside with my grandma. She's like, I was like, get in the car right now. And I'm like, no, I was just so, at that point, I, I, I was in the point of rebellion, right? I'm like, I'll do anything to go to Osan, Korea. And what did I do? As soon as I got in the car with my mom, <laughs> as soon as I got in the car with my mom, silently, I called a cop to my mom. I called the cops on my mom, oh and they were there God. when we got in the house. And my mother was like, Alize, if you're going to leave, leave. But you're not leaving with the stuff that's in the house, blah, blah, blah. So the cops, I went in the car with the cops, and I told them to drop me off in McDonald's. And I, and I told one of my friends to pick me up, and I stood with one of my friends that lived by the airport. And they took me to the airport the following morning. So at that moment, I was committed. I went against my family. I went against my friends. I went beyond the block even to call the cops on my mom. And my mom, you can see the hurt in her eyes. She's like, wow. You really went beyond and above to do this for me. But when I look back, like, I can tell that I was being, I was being influenced. And a lot of the times, people don't know, as you grow your relationship with God, God even says, we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against the principalities of this air. You know, so a lot of the times when we're, if, if, if it's anxiety or if we're doing something we're not supposed to do, it's what's being influenced by those actions, you know? And we have to go through a stage of deliverance so God can uproot the things that was controlling us at that time and keeping us in bondage mm -hmm. and keeping us in captivity, you know? Um, so I was in Olsen career. It's like and when I went to process. Exactly. So when I went to Osan, Korea, um, I was with a guy for a week. And oh, my God. It, it wasn't, you know, if people be like, oh, my God, I was in Osan, Korea, you would think, oh, my God, it's a wonderful experience. You're traveling, you're this and that. But that was not the case for me. I was stuck in the hotel room. And anytime I, I, I remember going to a coffee shop and I went to the coffee shop, I was sitting down and I saw military people coming to the coffee shop. They didn't know me. I didn't know them. I immediately ran out and started crying. And when I came home, when I came home, um, my relationship with mom was, was, was still off and things like that. But as times passed by, um, my friend that I met in the military, you know, um, she was stationed here. Look at this, look at this, look at this. Don't get crazy. <laughs> but she was stationed here in um, Shreveport, Louisiana, right? And when she was stationed here, guess yeah. who she meets? Guess who she meets? She meets a guy named Aaron Smith, who is now my husband, but I, I'll tell you that a little bit. But she meets a guy named Aaron Smith. And she was like, Alizé, um, I know you're going through a lot, but it's this guy here that, you know, he's taught, he talks about God and he's doing his Bible classes and things like that. And I know that you used to always talk about God. And I just felt like, you know, he would just be a great influence, a great impact in your life and helping you with your journey. 
So she introduced me to him with the sense of him helping me, with the sense of him encouraging and motivating yeah. me because I didn't have that church. I didn't have anything, anybody around me and, and going, going, helping me throughout that process. So I remember um, he inter introduced himself to me through FaceTime and that's how we met. And I was just sharing my story and he was sharing his. And from there, we just started to build a friendship. And I'm so grateful for that friendship because he was introducing me to his church. That is, his church is called All Nations Worship Assembly is located in Chicago. And he used to introduce me to the oh, church wow. and he was, he um, told me about this online singles conference, right? This was the first thing before he introduced me to the church. Yes. He was like, I was like, I feel like, you know, um, since you're going through this process, um, I feel like it's so important for you to join this online singles conference. And I'm like, okay, let me give this a try. And at one of this online singles conference, and they wasn't really talking about relationships and all that. They was talking about that. They were talking about things that I did not I did not know existed. They talked about a godly man, a godly woman. They talked about healing from your past and how if you don't heal from your past, you know, it can affect your future. They talked about finding your identity, becoming a whole woman. They talked about rejection. They talked about things that can keep you bound, bounded and in bondage. And they talked about all these different things because, mind you, there's a lot of churches these days that preach and talk about surface level things to make you feel good, right? But a lot of people in the church are still bounded mm -hmm. and things like that because they don't talk about the truth. They don't talk about the root of things. So that way people can go through deliverance and walk in that healing and that wholeness process. So I remember I was watching the online singles conference and immediately, immediately I had, it was like a light bulb came on and I literally felt God removing the scales from my eyes. Oh my God. And showing me the truth. Because people can still walk with God and still be asleep and blinded, right? So I was literally yes. sitting down and God was really removing the scales from my eyes and a light bulb came on. I'm like, what? Oh my God, like I was dealing with this. I'm dealing with this. I'm dealing with that. Oh my God, like I'm in this type of relationship. Oh my God, this is really a toxic and dysfunctional relationship. Oh my God, I really don't know my purpose. I really don't know my identity. And I literally had an image i had a vision in my mind and i saw my relationship with the guy and i sensed no hope i sensed no future i sensed destruction and then i closed my eyes and i put to my relationship with god and even though at that point i didn't know much about god I didn't really have language for who he is but i know he is faithful i know that he is good I sensed it peace. I sensed it hope. And at that moment, first, people don't realize when you make an initial decision, it has to start in your heart. And then you start over time. God gives the strength to walk it out. So that way it can become your reality. And so at yes. that moment, I let go. At that moment, I had it to choose. Was it the guy or was it God? And at that moment, because God was like, you can't have all of me if you give me half of you. So at that moment, I had to release the guy from my heart. And I remember that same night I was in the shower and I literally felt something like I literally felt I was going through my deliverance process. And I want to remind people, your healing, your deliverance doesn't have to be in, in a building. OK, it doesn't have to be physically in the church. It could be right in your bedroom. OK, so I remember I was in the shower. And I literally felt something coming out of me. And I literally felt God was just tearing down lust. He was tearing down every soul tie. He was tearing down self-hatred. He was tearing down depression. He was tearing down all these things. And I was just sobbing and sobbing and sobbing in the shower. And at that moment, that started my deliverance process. And I made a decision to release the guy from my heart, right? And like you did, like like what you said before when it came to relationships, I said, God, I can't do this by myself. I was like, make him break yeah. up with me. It was so hard because in your mind, I'm like, oh, my God. In my mind, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, oh, my God, I feel bad. You know, uh, can I still be friends with him? I, I feel like we can't really be friends with people that were like, like, that was dysfunctional from our past and things like that. So I was like, Lord, make him break up with me, please. So. I got a text message from him and he was like, I feel like 
you know, that I'm not the one for you. And I, and something inside of me was trying to fight it. Because, you know, sometimes when God really answers it, we're like, uh, yes. uh, no, no, no. Yes. But then we can't, we can't we try to, back. <laughs> yeah, we can't try to interfere, interfere with that. And um, he said that and, you know, and when he said that, God gave me the strength. Like I said, I made the decision in my heart and it took me over time to to walk it out. So before I met Aaron in person to visit his church in Chicago, which was in June of 2017, I broke up with this guy. I broke up. I said, I can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. So he said that to me, but he was trying to fight, fight for him for me back because he was trying to contact me through social media call my phone for the korea from korea and things like that but i in order for me to go through my healing process and like you said for me to bounce back what did i do i gave i had to give god my full yes right i had to go through my yes. my healing i had to go through my healing you know and one main thing i did to bounce back is i closed every door that was open of the enemy. I blocked the guy. I removed his number. I removed every picture. I was not going to allow any open door of my heart for him to have access to, you know, and, and part of, of what you said to bounce back, part of my deliverance process and what it looked, what it looked like, I started to, to journal. I love to write. I started to journal, tell God how I feel, you know, and, and God was, was the reason I knew that I was rejected from my father and had all these things that I needed to be delivered from. God was revealing, revealing it to me in his secret place, you know? So say like, for instance, I'm like, Lord, you know, I don't, I don't love myself. Lord, I feel ugly. Lord, I don't, you know, I, I, I feel like I have to do this to be loved. And then God used to ask me, I was in order to get to the root, ask yourself why. What happened in your childhood that made you feel that way? What happened in your childhood, childhood that, that made you lead those decisions? So which is and that, and I started to dig deep, okay? Because my father did this to me. My father said this to me, which let me, mind you, the rejection of the father, that's like the stronghold. That's the root, right? And then from that, it's mm -hmm. all the fruits of it. The fruits, it, it's the different things that lead me from that very moment. For me, the outlet was lust. The outlet was relationship, right? Was all these different things. Was yeah. me feeling like, I have to use my body and to fill up. Was doing all these things, right? Because I'll tell the God, I'll do anything. So for me, I had to journal on God revealing those things to me. And I literally had to go through a process. And another thing that I did to back, bounce back, I had to affirm myself. You know, I had little index cards. And I'll write, I'm not rejected. I'm beautiful. I started to write scriptures. And I started to meditate on that. People don't realize what they meditate on can become who they are. Like if you, whoever you surround yourself by, you eventually become that. So I had to write affirmations mm -hmm. all around my wall. Like if you go in my room, it was freaking index cards, like all around. And I just started to meditate that every single day. So that way I can start renewing my mind and allow what God says about me become my reality. I love that. I love the affirmations. And I, it's almost like, yeah. okay, so... What a lot of people don't real about, realize about love languages is sometimes the way that you express love is also the way that you like to, is usually mm -hmm. the way that you like to receive love. And so mm -hmm. if that's the way that you like to receive love, that's how you should express self-love. Yes. And I feel like self-love gets good. warped into being like um, against God, because if you love yourself too much, then you can't love God, which I don't think is true at all. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because out of the love of God, you realize how much God loves you and who are you not yes. to love yourself in that same way or see yourself exactly. in that same light. So like you said, with your stepfather, you appreciated that he spent the time to write beautiful messages in those cards. Yeah. And yeah. you spent the time to write your heart out to God through journaling yes. and that you received messages. And then you read, you did that for yourself. You wrote those words of affirmation and those scriptures that would affirm you so you were practicing yes. your um words of affirmations love language on yourself yes, yes, and i think yes. that that's a great practice words of affirmation sometimes gets like thrown into like this frou-frou thing but if it has real deep meaning and it really is an affirming word that you need to hear that you have um placed on your heart that can really rewire I mean, there's a, a whole bunch of psychological 
references to it. I'm not going to yes. bore everybody with the that, but it really does <laughs> retrain your mind into yes. thinking and viewing yourself differently. Um, like exactly. one thing that I'm trying to practice is when I receive a compliment to accept the compliment. Yes. Um, so many times if you, if you get a compliment, you're like, Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you either downplay it or you try to like, I try to like dismiss it as if like, mm-hmm. well, I, there's people that are like way better singers or way better. This yes. and that. But that compliment was meant for me and I should receive it. That was like, exactly. That's, that's a grace that's been placed on me. And I should receive mm-hmm. that grace. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like when we practice those love languages on ourselves, we're practicing out we're we're practicing how we want to be loved and showing that for others. So when we do that, we're also kind of reflecting out the love of God for that he's shown us to others. And so when we're in relationships, we can say, like you said, there's no boundaries or there's no reference. We can show those references. I don't want to be talked to negatively because I speak to myself positively. How can I ask someone mm. to speak positively to me if I talk negatively about myself? That yeah. doesn't make any sense, right? We're not mm-hmm. showing people mm-hmm. that's what we deserve because we're not even practicing it for ourselves. How exactly. do I want people to spend quality time with me if I don't even prioritize quality time with myself and God. Exactly. So mm-hmm. then I can't mm-hmm. say like, oh, I want a guy or I want someone that like prays with God and goes to church, da 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 if I'm not showing that and I'm not living that <laughs> out. So it's yeah, when, yeah, when yeah. you're doing things for yourself. And I think that's important. So many people are chronic relationship people. I've had friends like that. I have, I've had chronic crushes. I've never been in as many relationships, but I, I've seen people jump from relationship to relationship. And I think that it's important, even if you know, like your dream is to be married with a bajillion kids and that's lovely, but you need to know who you are just as yourself. And you need to know how to love yourself just as yourself. Exactly. Because then Mm -hmm. when you do encounter someone, you've created a system or a set of boundaries and, an understanding within yourself of how you like to receive love. God has shown that to mm-hmm. you. You've practiced it for yourself. And then you know how to recognize when people are not acting in that way. And then you're less mm-hmm. likely to um, blur out your boundaries. You're less likely to uh, accept exactly. whatever just to be in a relationship. Exactly. Um, is exactly. there, uh, so you talked about, being a creative, what are you doing now in your current projects and work? Oh, yeah. Um, all right. So currently, me and my husband, I have a YouTube channel right now. Mm-hmm. It's called Journey with Alizé. Um, but me and my husband is currently rebranding the channel. Um, and what we're starting together is we're going to help young adults. It's Christians and even people that desire to grow their relationship with God. Um, our mission is to help people prepare for a godly marriage. Um, first, by, you know, healing from their past. And part of healing from the past is, you know, understanding your purpose, understanding your identity, understanding, you know, how to love yourself, how to walk in confidence, you know. So that's one of the things me and my husband is working on. And then from there, you know, we're going to eventually have, um, you know, ebooks and things like that. Um, but over time, what I am working on this year, um, I don't really have a launch date. <laughs> at all but um you know you're one of the the first few people that knows um but I am planning and, and I'm in the process in starting my online um course business um it's gonna be for women it's gonna be towards preparing them for a godly relationship but it's gonna be first by healing from the pain caused by their fathers and i feel like there's so much things where you know you see where people have businesses on how to have a godly relationship and godly dating and things like that and people could say oh my god i help you heal from your past and things like that but i can't help somebody heal from a particular area if i didn't been there 
if I haven't been there, if I haven't experienced it. So I remember when I was planning to do this, I'm like, you know what? What is something I'm passionate about? What is something that I am an expert on? And what is something I can make a profit out of? You know, and being a yeah. being an expert on it, <laughs> being me being an expert on what is something you know I have experience in. You know, that I can understand. I'm like, you know what? I'm so passionate about helping women, you know, heal from the rejection of their father because I've been there. I can't help somebody heal from their past if they dealt with, uh, let's say, alcohol or drugs or whatever. If I never mm -hmm. dealt with drugs or whatever. But I know how it is to be rejected. I know their language. And because of that, I know how to cater to them in a personal level. So I'm planning to have these um, online courses for women that, you know, deal with the, the hurt and the pain of their fathers. And, you know, every woman desire relationships. So I'm going to eventually get to that point. But I want to show them that a lot of people, a lot of people, they end up getting into a relationship without, without being whole. You know, broken people attract yes. broken people, and they feel like that relationship or that guy completes them, makes them whole. Whole? No, 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 no. You're supposed to be already completed. You're supposed to know who you are, because then that person, yes. that marriage, that relationship, that person, that marriage, that relationship ends up coming the thing that you're living for. Ends up coming your purpose. So I'm gonna throughout these courses, um, which I'm sharing it with you, is gonna be um. Uh, a series of how to heal Identif first identifying the root because a lot of people don't know that they have the problem mm -hmm. you know so I'm going to help them identify the root and then the second phase I'm going to help them go through the healing process and then over time how to walk in confidence how to love yourself and then eventually how to prepare for a godly relationship not saying oh my god like a relationship with a, a male or female but first friendships because if you don't know how, how to have a proper friendship with the opposite sex or with your, your girlfriend and things like that how are you supposed to have a successful relationship with uh, a golly man one of the things that i feel like is different from me and my husband is we decided together to be celibate into marriage we didn't kiss throughout dating and our engagement we didn't have sex at all and i know some some people are like oh my god it's odd and, and things like that but i i really you know, I have a passion that me and my husband, um, like I said, I love to write. So a lot of the things that will come from the YouTube channel is devotionals and, you know, ebooks and things like that. Awesome. Well, I'll definitely share your YouTube channel in the show notes. And um, if, you know, if, and then if you're listening, you can follow along so you can be the first to hear about any ebooks and when the courses are launched mm -hmm. and you can sign up or share with a friend. Thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast, sharing so much of your heart and your experiences. Yeah. Thank you for being just open and honest. And I hope to hear more about your amazing story in the future. Yeah. Thank you. you. Thank you so much. And I hope that you have a good day. Alizé was such a pleasure to talk to. She kept it real in true New York fashion in opening up about relationship mistakes she made and how her realignment and priorities helped her bring her whole self into relationships rather than looking for others to complete her. Her difficulties in discovering her purpose and entering the military and sharing about the topic of celibacy is something that's not easy for everyone to share. But my hope is that you might resonate with her story in some way. I will leave Alizé's information in the show notes so you can check her and her husband's channel out. As always, have a great day in your own amazing story. Mm -hmm.